metaphorically wrap your arms around us as we turn down the lights, put on the Isley Brothers and canoodle around the microphone to talk about 90s supernatural romantic comedy, Ghost. Coming in hot with discussions of dangerous topless home renovation, traumatizing hell demons, and unexpectedly violent demises. I'm Jake and Tom, I love you. Ditto. That's right, this is First to Die. You can't just start researching on the fly. I'm just going to have it so that I've got the year it was released and who directed it, okay? I mean, usually expect that as the minimum that you should have. Just listen. (laughs) I chose this film because it's just a classic and everybody knows it. So I shouldn't have to explain too much about Ghost. Also, yeah, tick your bingo card for classic. Has it got Americana in it? Classic Americana? Is it possibly the first time that a film did something? (laughs) Is this the first time a ghost has been used in a film? (laughs) I think we should use this as the intro. Uh, I think we're just, we're talking about it now. Anyway, hello everyone. Welcome to First Die. And in a shocking first, Jake and I are in the same room together. I can actually see you in three dimensions. Is this signaling the end of COVID times? Potentially it is. Well, who knows? By the time this is out, there's probably like... COVID's been over for several years. I kind of pray that that's true. We're now true. fighting the mutant uprising. Um, I hope that's not true. And people are looking back on COVID as this nostalgic time. We essentially all sat at home for a while. Do you remember when we were safe in we just, homes? We just all we had to do is sit at home and watch Netflix. You know? And we could sit, and there was electricity. <laughs> good times. Well, we are here. We're together. It's lovely. It is um, good. I can see your face. Can I, can look at, I mean, I could see your face before, but it's not through a screen. No, it's, it's, it's beautiful being in the same room together. Yep. And we we're talking chat. about a movie that you have chosen. I chose this film. And again, Tom, I'm going to be honest, this is a reaction to you. You giving me shit for always choosing my favourite films that so you... just so happened to have a first death in there that we could chat about. Well, <laughs> guess what? This is Ghost. Oh, and it is God, not why? one of my favourite films. No, it's... I'm, I'm not going to say it all for that. That's that's too that's unfair. But at the same time, I wasn't looking forward to this. What when you, when you suggested, I'm like, oh, really, really, really. I hope that the audience don't feel the same way. No, I think there's a lot of love for ghosts, isn't there? Look, like, you know what? I'm going to be honest, and and I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of a uh, an insight here. I cried. It's okay. I'm a man, but <laughs> men can cry. And there's a moment towards the end. Where he's all glowy and 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 just a little little single tear, little, little single, single tear. tear. Hey, you know? do you want to hear a little factoid about single tear? Yes. Okay. Demi Moore can not only cry on command; she can choose which eye to cry from. How does the human body allow I that? Don't because she's a machine. Wow. She's like an athlete that's trained For her crying. body to perfection. For crying. Yeah. So you can be like Demi, left, go, squit, squit. <laughs> right, squit. Straight out, like a jet. Like a super soaker. I'm sure that certainly she came in handy. She can also hit handy. a target from 10 paces. Oh my god. <laughs> Always, She was the best. She was I the mean, best. yeah, this was one of her big breakouts, though. Because she was in the like Brat Pack movies for a while. And then this were, they kind of got her, you know, her massive big break. She got a good paycheck for it. Yeah. And then, weirdly, like, the Hollywood industry kind of turned on her because she was getting good paychecks. Still way below all the other men in the industry by a considerable margin. Yeah. But the best for a woman in the industry. Yeah. That all the media started labelling her gimme more. Oh. As, as a greedy, I just want money, this is all I'm in it for. Meanwhile, Bruce Willis, her husband at the time, I think, is out there banking enormous paychecks, yeah. five times more. No one's calling him greedy. Isn't that odd? Nowadays, you've got the likes of Jennifer Lawrence and, and others that are really pushing Scott for... Scott Johansson? Yeah. Like... And there is still a little bit of a strange pushback on women that are asking for equal pay in films, which it just it doesn't stand up that you can you can say that they shouldn't. It, it doesn't make any sense. They're literally doing exactly the same job. And they are just as bankable stars, in yep. my opinion. Yep. Nowadays. Like, look, there's... And, and it's controversial. There's slight argument in sport that unfortunately female sports do not generate the same income that male driven sports do because they're just not there yet they have to they're going to we need to support it and we need to hope that one day they do have that kind of following that's not the same in the film industry no no not at all female stars charlotte charlize theron uh jennifer lawrence hunger games an entire franchise built on the back of an incredibly talented actor 
And she, you're absolutely right. That that film does not work without Jennifer Lawrence. Oh. Or a female it's actress. It's a female actor. story, like, fundamentally. So uh, it just doesn't stand up nowadays. Anyway, we've that's good. <laughs> we've said our part about that, but... We've cleared that issue up. We've cleared that issue up. Back to the film at hand, Ghost. Everybody knows it, Tom. That is true. Everybody knows Ghost. Everybody knows the song. We're not going to sing it. Because we'll get Stop. sued. We'll get sued, and also because it's been in my head for days now. I feel like we should be recording this podcast in the same way with you, like spooning me while we cradle the microphone. I, who's to say we're not? They don't know. <laughs> if you want that mental image, it's yours. It's a gift. It's, yeah. Maybe we should do a little, little. That could be the episode image for this one. <laughs> Just me and you cradling a podcast mic. Me from I'm I'm the larger of the two guys for for everyone listening. By the way. So that's why I should clearly be, that's why Tom I should be is to me. You. I'll be like a little backpack. <laughs> that's not how it works in the film, is it, Tom? <laughs> Patrick is not her backpack, so... You know what is also weird in that scene? Go on. Is that, it, you know, it starts with the record going under the jukebox, playing the song, which we were not allowed to sing. And then you get the whole montage of, of the clay, and then them canoodling in the bedroom and all that stuff. And then it ends with the record finishing. Yeah. Does that mean the whole thing took three minutes? So... He's, he's done. They They... They did the pottery. They Cleaned showered because <laughs> yeah, we noticed they don't have any clay on their arms anymore during the love scene. No. They throw each other around in a very PG but not too PG way. There's no n- nude there's nudity. No hard penetration there's, shots. Well, obviously no, <laughs> but there's no nudity either, right? It's no, all kind of not. like, and then they do that for the rest of the song, and you're right, and then the song ends. So <laughs> he, He's done by the end of that three minutes. Well done to him. Well done, he's a machine. You know, he's... that was what they said about Swayze. He came in, he got the job done, he gets out. Yeah. That, that was Swayze. Everyone was happy. Everyone was happy. Yeah. Quite a heartthrob in this film, you got oh, to admit. Yeah. It's, it's, I find, actually, he's got a slightly strange-looking face. Is that a controversial? Like, okay, a... so this is a perfect segue to his death scene, if you'll allow so, hey, look, we haven't even done a 30-second summary yet. Okay. You're not getting off that either. I'm going to... Right, we, we do this, Go and then we're it, going then. into... Then we're going into a little... Uh, straight into the FTD, because it's pretty near the beginning anyway. Okay, fine. Okay, are you ready? I've got I've got my stopwatch ready. Stop researching. I'm Just ready. Just because you've done very give me, little give research me a, Give me time. a go. In your own time. All right, so Patrick Swayze plays Sam Wheat. He's a banker in New York. He's renovating a house... With his girlfriend, Molly, unfortunately, he is shot after seeing a show, Macbeth. Oh, dear. That's why. It's a bad show. It's a bad omen. Uh, he it's dies. It's a bad show. It's a bad show. He becomes a ghost, and he has to save Molly, who is in great danger. We learn why throughout the film. With Whoopi Goldberg as a funky sidekick. She's there. She's going to help him, and she hates him, but it's wonderful. And tears. Oh. That's... 29 seconds and 91 milliseconds. Oh, it's just a lot of statements that I threw out there. There's tears it, and Whoopi Goldberg is there. you talked about plot this time and characters. I have that in my head every time I do those <laughs> second stories. But there you go. So yes, Patrick Swayze plays Sam. Can I also say something as well? Having watched a lot of Shit's Creek recently, uh-huh. I can't say Patrick Swayze's voice in my head without saying it in the same way that Moira Rose says, baby... <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Swayze. <laughs> it was so sad when we lost Patrick Swayze. Yes, that's Anyway, good. so that's now in your head. Well done. Swayze. Swayze. So um, should we talk a little bit about the production of it? Just a tiny piece before we jump into the first episode. Okay. Because it was 1990. Yes. So it was directed by Jerry Zucker, who was the um, director of Airplane and Top Secret, all these comedy movies. So oh. it was a bit of a controversial choice to helm... This kind of movie, I think there, there's there's kind of rumor mills that they were trying to get someone like Stephen Playmountain in because it is of kind course, of because he were. obviously it was in the near the eighties, so he's involved in everything, and I'm sure he was probably top of the list of all producers names to direct a movie. But it, you know, you could see why someone like Spielberg might kind of like it. Can I just say, he wasn't involved. He wasn't actually involved at all. And this is a nineties movie, yeah. so this isn't like all of our other choices. I just want to be clear to our audience. We are changing things up. This is a 90s movie, and Steven Spielberg play Mountain was not involved. No, not that I like to, to gender diversify different film groups as boy movies and girl movies, but you know, I, I don't think anyone would really necessarily say it's a very boys movie, this one. It's definitely not a very boys movie, but it does have... I think it's got something for everyone, though. Like, every, I think that's yeah. probably its appeal. It's not, it's not a soppy, romantic, the notebook type 
movie, which by no, the way... No, it's not like Dirty Dancing. I'll enjoy it. Yes, good. That's a better one. Um, it's not Dirty Dancing at all. Uh, and actually, the majority of the time we spend with Sam, who's quite a masculine male character... And this film goes to some dark places. Oh yeah, like the 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 last to die is incredibly brutal, unnecessarily yeah. so almost. But like, but you know, maybe that's why you know it's kind of a crime story. It's a whodunit. It's a mystery. The romance is kind of secondary in some ways. Like, I think they establish it as a simple form, right? It's they're in love, but Sam is a little bit bad at talking through his feelings and saying the words i love you which is kind of a little two-dimensional for a man character male character in the 90s and yes by the end he's able to say what he means and feels and that's lovely and it is a nice it is a nice way to wrap it up but really for me the most interesting relationship in the film is sam and uh whoopee yeah Yeah. who is what's her name oda may brown oda may oda may Good old Odomay. Yeah. Odomay Brown. And he fought for her to take that role as well. Oh, really? Yeah, he really petitioned for, for Whoopi. They, they were looking around trying to get other people, but he really stated that it should be Whoopi. She won an Oscar for it as well. So she did a good, bloody good job. Bloody good job. Uh, apparently as well, when they, like in the, one of the original drafts, she was a genuine psychic. Oh. And they changed it for the comedy effect that she was a fraud. Yeah. And then that made it even more funny. It, 100%. It was, it was a smart move that... Yeah, she's a fraud who suddenly... Can actually can... now start speaking to ghosts. Yeah, it's... It gives her more to do, doesn't it? Otherwise it would be boring. She... I, well, it's it's that back and forth between her, like, she doesn't want it. She doesn't want what Sam's bringing to yeah. her. And and it's so fun to watch that relationship go. And, and, and the... But he... We said this when we watched the film, because we were lucky enough to watch it together as well. He puts her in so much danger. Oh, yeah, it's really irresponsible. Like, so... And, and he's really blasé about it. He's like, oh, you do this and then you'll be fine. Like, And it, actually, all of the actions he causes her to do put her in more danger than if she hadn't. Yep. So nuts. Yeah. Although Molly does drop her in it at one point. Uh, unwittingly, let's say. she. Yeah, she doesn't mean... It. Anyway, um, this is one of those take-a-shot moments because I've researched the budget. Oh. 22 million. Uh, for 1990, that's Guess pretty high, isn't it? Oh, it, oh, how much did it make? No, no, that, that's what that's it's what it was made for. Twenty two million, and it made okay. at the box office five hundred. Oh, that's a lot. It did really well. Bloody hell! Really, really well. Basically, with this and Pretty Woman, it kickstarted the blockbuster rom com. Interesting. Basically, they because before that, like blockbusters were action movies. Yeah, it was. You know, I don't know what was this post Die Hard. Well, you know, it was that kind of. Big movie was. I think it's pre Die Hard, isn't it? Possibly could. Die Hard is a little, a little later in the nineties. I'll look. This is Jake researching on the fly because he's. I'm looking. I'm looking. No, two years after Die Hard, 1988. Okay, was Die Hard. so so you know, like that. That's in the, the zeitgeist of what a blockbuster was, and then this basically said that you can have romance movies and they can make a ton of movies. But then there's also like, I think what sets this apart is probably what set it apart at the box office as well is that fact that it was. It's not particularly a girly movie. It's it's got a lot of action in it, but I think the special effects in it are really good. I see. Yep. You know, we were watching it yesterday, and you know, there's a few scenes where you're like, "That was really good." Like, Very impressive for the time. Yeah, like things where, like today, I think they would use automated camera rigs so they could perfectly sync shots. And I was like, they didn't have that by then. That must have just been done by a camera operator matching the shots exactly, which is insane. To be it able is. To do that. Like it's really really clever. Yeah. Should we do, how much how setup do we need before the FTD? Because it's quite near the beginning. Really, I don't think it? we need a lot of setup. I, I, you know, look, I kind of gave it the setup. He's Sam is a banker. Yeah. He is renovating a house with his girlfriend. They seem very much in love. You, can, you know how much that property's worth? Oh, in New York? Yeah. Because uh, it overlooks. It doesn't overlook. It's, said it's opposite the post office building. Please. Yes, right. So it must be pretty f- central in Manhattan. I wonder how much it's worth. Go on, tell uh, me. It is worth ten million dollars. Fuck. It's Just a, the apartment. It's a three bedroom, a three bathroom apartment. Oh wow. <laughs> okay, three bedrooms, three bathroom in the center of Manhattan. Ten million. It does make sense. Yep. And it's an it's an old building, isn't it? It's like a listed yeah, yeah. building. Beautiful building. Anyway, so they're doing that, and we also see the best friend, Carl. Uh yeah, Carl, right? yeah, Carl, Carl, Carl Bruner. Carl Bruner, and right. that's Tony kind Baldwin. of that's kind of it when it comes to setup. It's it's okay. They're in love. 
Sam sometimes doesn't know they, how they to have, articulate they his hint feelings. That there's something going on with some accounts a little bit that sounds that I've got to give him. That's super subtle. It in is, the yeah. first, before he's killed, that's mega subtle. Yeah, it's like there's a glitch with the system. There's something not quite right with these accounts. Do you want me to look into it? No. I'm that fine. that's it. Yeah, and you're like, okay, well, you could read it perfectly as like, oh, he's just doing his day. Oh, there's a problem here. Well, whatever. The normal thing would be there's not enough money in these accounts. Somebody's dun, dun, moved dun. it. Instead, it's like, there's too much money in these accounts. Which doesn't seem like a big problem. You're like, oh, okay, great. Too much money. Awesome. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> um, but anyway, and then and then they go to the theatre to see Macbeth, which, yeah, bad omen. It's, uh, it's the Scottish play. And then they're walking home and you think, Jesus Christ, you're at night. Something shit's going to go down. Like, oh, something yeah. bad is going to happen. And he's killed. I know, but it's... It, when we were watching it, you pointed out as well, like the way it's kind of shot make, implies that it's Demi Moore who, who's like it's Molly who gets yep. shot because you see this gun being waved around, they're struggling, there's a gunshot, then you see Sam running down the road, so you're like, oh no, he's gonna come back and it's and gonna she'll be, be yep. yeah, and she's you know she's gonna be the ghost and that's what the ghost in this ghost story is gonna be about, but no, I think that's a really nice switcheroo is the fact that you know he he does this run down the street and then comes back in and then he's like, oh no, it's me. Yeah, uh, that's. And I said to you, didn't I? I said, so he's dead already. Like he instantly dies at that point because he's already a ghost. So he's, you know, he's been shot through the heart or something, uh, which is which is sad. Well, you said like, oh, he gets shot in the stomach. Why is he dead? So we we're like, well, maybe it just went up straight through him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gruesome! It got everything on the way. Oh gosh, I mean, that's one way to go. Yeah, you know, at least it was quick. It's you. You mentioned so we we had these expectations that maybe Demi Moore was the ghost, but when we were first watching the film, the opening scene, the way that they shoot the the titles makes it feel like this is a spooky ghost story. Mm-hmm. And if you went to this in 1990 and the title was just Ghost in that kind of eerie uh, white blue font that they used, and then you're watching the pre-titles and it's a dark it's very spooky, really you, you would assume it's, it's a ghost story yeah like yeah. as in a classic ghost story yeah but that's not how it unveils at all no i, I was going to say um slightly slightly unrelated just because i was just trying to research that I, I remember hearing something about um the original script being written and i was like i, I can't remember if this is true or not so I was just quickly having a quick read there but apparently um the original script uh was written by i'm trying to find the name of the guy i can't find it but uh jerry zucker came in and did something like nine or ten rewrites oh. on the script to punch it up. And I'm curious as to what he brought to that, whether he brought some of those elements. Being a visual person as well, thought, I want to establish some tone at the beginning that, yeah. that moves it in this way. And it's funny because I heard as well that he wasn't, obviously we were talking about, he wasn't the first choice they wanted someone like Stephen's Play Mountain with his history of movies that could do this. And as opposed to the guy that directed Airplane and Top Secret, you know, and I think comedy directors get a bad rep as if comedy's easy. And it's absolutely not. Horror's like, easy. Yeah. yeah it's not. Easier. <laughs> uh, but comedy, no. Comedy's tough. You know, you have to have such a precision over, like, timing and editing and framing to make that work. That I think they were a bit like, oh, really, this guy for this sort of quite, you know, F- uh, FX-heavy, rom-com-y, strange movie. But he'd done all this work on it to punch that script up, which I think is where... A lot of the, there are some jokes in it, so I imagine he kind of brought that in. And also, I think, some of the strangeness of it as well. Because there are a lot of strange characters in it. Like the subway guy. It's yeah. really weird. And I remember even as a kid, like that freaking me out a bit. Because he's such an odd-looking guy. He's terrifying. Vincent Schiavelli, I think he's called. Yeah, he's been in a few films. He's, he is one of those characters. Was he in Clockwork Orange, potentially? Not Clockwork no. Orange. Uh, Cuckoo's Nest. Oh. I feel like he was. He may have been. Because anyway, he's just got that type of face where... That face. He looks a bit crazy. Yeah. No offence to he's him. He's just got those crazy bags under his eyes and, you know, especially when he gets up on the tube and just starts walking towards him. It's like, oh my God. Like, Holy hell, yeah. It's, it's he's a bit really scary. Because up until that point, other ghosts have been quite friendly and just waving yeah. at him or chatting with him. Because you see a few other ghosts that are left on Earth. Yeah. And you, that's established quite nicely. The, the, the rules of the afterlife are done pretty quickly. You see... Okay, you go towards the light if you're a good person. Usually you would go, but if, unfortunately, Sam feels he has unfinished business, he walks away from the light and that's snapped away from him. That's yeah. it. So he's stuck on Earth now with Molly. 
But then, of course, we don't learn about the alternative until good old Willie meets oh his end. Oh, my God, that's the worst. Willie, by the way, is, if people haven't seen the film, Willie, you should have, and you have seen the film, so I don't know why I'm doing this. He killed Sam. He's the hired gun that, uh, that murdered Sam. He meets his demise at the hands of a bus and a vehicle and being crushed <laughs> being between the two. Between them. Um, and when he's dragged off, the alternative for bad people, it's horrifying. That freaked me out as a child. Like... Like, it freaked me out for a really long time. The noise for me. I was surprised watching it the other day. I was like, that, the the, the ghostly whales are horrible. Do you know what those are? No. They're crying babies slowed down and stretched out to make these horrible noises. That's terrifying. That's even worse when you know that. Because they sound that. horrible. Like, That's crying babies? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's, like, if you went to hell... That's the kind of sound you'd expect. I think for a, a while that became my visual of what happened when you died. And if you were bad, that that would start happening. Didn't stop you being bad, did it, Tom? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some way to go before we get the nice lights and the, the twinkly little things coming down to lead us to the warmth. The warmth. It's the so warmth, warm. The warmth. But the love, go, going back to, to the FTD. Yes. Because I think that's when you get some of your first VFX shots as well. Which yes. Is, that, you know, and, and I think that they're a bit, a little bit janky by today's standards. But you can imagine back in the day that, like in the nineties, that's it's pretty good special effects. You know, the fact that he's standing next to him, putting his hand to his face, or yeah. he's doing these sort of passes through people. No, absolutely. And uh, the the movie takes a real left turn at that point. Yeah. Because it's not that you're not. I wonder, you know, it's, I, I'm not. I'm trying desperately not to go down this route of oh, is it one of the first films that did this? But <laughs> everyone shuts at the ready. Instead of being a story about a character who is haunted by a ghost, it is a story about a ghost from a ghost perspective. From a ghost perspective, I'm, which is, I'm sure I mean, it's I'm been sure done. It's got, I'm sure I mean, it has. The Uber of Hollywood, one hundred percent. But it is a nice alternative view to the norm. Yeah, it's not about being haunted. It's about being the ghost haunting. Is he? I mean, he does haunt her. He really, haunt her. he does haunt her once he learns how to do that but anyway back to Sam first Sedai so the other thing and, and you mentioned this with the last Sedai it's a bit brutal but Sam's death scene it is I mean she loses it yep. and it's very visceral her she almost starts having like a panic attack around him whilst he's he's very clearly dead covered in blood by the way because the bullet has gone right through him oh, stop it and you watch Patrick Swayze's performance as the ghost, and he looks like he's about to throw up. As you would. I mean, it's well, it's pretty. It's, it was, they don't play it back. Apparently, it he just recently lost his father. Oh, like very recently. Okay. Um, it's one of the reasons actually he got the role is because he was, um, you know, um, was it Roadhouse kind of action guy? You know, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yeah. Um, you know, he was you know he was good looking and he was in shape. But I don't think anyone saw that and thought, what an incredible actor that man is. Let's put him in a leading role. But the, uh, I, I, don't know, I think, again, it was um, it was Jerry Zucker that saw him doing an interview where he started crying on TV talking about his father. Mm-hmm. And they thought, well, geez, any guy, any guy who's like this big macho action star who can be that emotionally honest on live TV, you know, like this guy must have something. And I think because he brought that to this this moment in the film when... Uh, when you know he's looking at himself and I think all those emotions came all the way back up and yeah you know he brought that to it you know and you can see it you know it looks honest it's a real honest emotion that feels like you're seeing so good for him Patrick Swayze Swayze I was just trying to Patsway as well but we haven't Uh, Patsway I mean yeah obviously already an icon by 1990 I believe well he'd done done... Roadhouse but he was kind of big for that type of Actiony movie. So he hadn't done Dirty Dancing by that point. I feel like Dirty Dancing is an eighties film. Oh, maybe he has. I'll look it up. Jake, Google something. Wow. I was just trying to look for um, the uh, parental rating on Ghost because I I was a bit nineteen eighty seven is Dirty Dancing, so he's pretty big. He's pretty big by this point. See, because he's got he does good acting work in Dirty Dancing. And then when, what's the um, amazing film he did with... Point Break. Thank you. Yeah. 
So I, I, pretty early in his career, he'd got those those three big movies. And then I was looking through his IMDb, and I was like, there are a lot of Patrick Swayze movies I've never even heard of. Like Before or after? Like, after. Like, between yeah. then and... Then he kind of had a... a what felt like he was going to have a late career uptick. Because he did Donnie Darker. Yeah. And he was great in Donnie Darker. And a so very good. alternative character. Yeah, playing the to. villain. Yeah. Playing a manipulative paedophile, yeah, essentially. Exactly. So you, the fact you find out has a kiddie porn dungeon. Which is fucking insane. Yeah. For Patrick Swayze to play that character. Nuts. And loved it. Like, apparently had a great time with it. And and, but, and then we kind of lost him too soon. He died of pancreatic cancer. We definitely lost him 57, too soon. 57, but it felt like that could have been the movie that kind of reminded everyone like oh yeah Patrick Twayze he's great yeah. isn't he like, good actor he's a good actor in this yeah, you know he he's like, a very good actor in Ghost Do is he somebody that I've spent a lot of time following and watching no no, no I, really. I didn't again I think he did have a little bit of a chick flick aura to him which I, you know I've never seen Dirty Dancing you've never seen Dirty Dancing never seen Dirty Dancing oh my god yeah but there you go. I okay. mean, should I? Yes. Nobody puts baby in the corner? You, yeah, I mean, you're, I bet you're one of those people that know enough about it to talk around it. Probably. But you've never actually watched no. it. I've never watched it. But I have seen The Notebook. I feel that, okay. that well, makes I'm, up. Well, it just makes up just in terms of romantic movies. I've seen, you've seen a romantic film. You've seen film. a romantic movie, therefore you've Listen, seen The Listen, man, I take Gosling over Swayze. That's I mean, I just would take too... Gosling over Swayze any day of the week. Thank you. Okay, you that's go. fine. But yeah, so you, you know, but I feel I feel really bad that I feel like he would have had one of those like John Travolta esque uh, um, Pulp Fiction career, you know, where everyone kind of got reminded like, oh yeah. So great, here's the thing with that: John Travolta is a good actor, yeah, and he did have a renaissance with Pulp Fiction, but it lasted like two films. Everyone always says that they're like John Travolta's career was reignited when he came back with Pulp Fiction. And you're like, absolutely, he's amazing in it, yeah. and then. He just went back to making shit again. Did Swordfish, though, with so huge like Jackman, I said, like two or, <laughs> two or three films where he was big again, and then he and fucked then he just, it all away. Then he went back into rubbish, and again, he's now making just rubbish. Maybe, maybe, we'll, have a, maybe we'll have another one who have a maybe. third career Could renaissance. I mean, look at Christian Slater, right? I love Christian Slater. Brilliant actor. So Christian Slater started <laughs> with you know, is it the Brat Pack he was part of as well? Yeah, I mean, he, he was yeah, right. He's definitely kind of yeah part of that kind of era. So he does those, and then kind of dies off. Does some action films. Doesn't do well for a long time, and then comes back with like Mr. Robot, which absolutely smashes. You know, and he's great in it. He's brilliant. In yeah, it. I, maybe he's a bit like Keith Sutherland. You know, because he had that. Oh yeah. Twenty four was his big. You know, and he was Brat Pack as well, and he You're had. Right. You know, he had that twenty four as this big renaissance moment where everyone went, "Oh yeah, Keith Sutherland, he's great, isn't he?" <laughs> And I maybe. think maybe some of these actors who are old Hollywood jump into TV roles and yeah. everyone like, oh yeah, that's why they're good. Like, they that really could have been Swayze's future. If it he hadn't been, died, yeah, he could have been in TV. Been some... He could have been good. Yeah. yeah. I just feel bad because I just feel like he had a lot more to give. Agreed. Yeah, a huge amount. I, I feel like we should talk about the pottery wheel scene as well. Because actually, I'm not sure if... It, because it's been so parodied over the years, yeah. because it's become so cliche, so iconic, that as soon as it starts, you're like, oh, here we go, it's the pottery scene. I was, or I was if done it, with it. Does it fit tonally in the movie? Or does it actually stick out as being a bit, oh, it's a bit much? I think there's a reason why it was so iconic and why it's become so big. It's because it was a very clever, good way of, of getting this romantic relationship on screen. And it very became, quickly. you know, uh, obviously it was it's overly sexual it's really over the top I, you know, it's sexual because i remember it being romantic you know and, and sexy in the fact that they're, they're they're stroking hands together yada yada as an adult now i'm like she's basically rubbing a massive cock between she them absolutely just working it up and, and down. he's helping her yeah this is how you do it with, with lubed up hands just working it up and down i was just I like was... my my what <laughs> it's too early in the day for this uh yeah it's and the music, it's odd as well because I go between thinking that song is too much, I can't, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. It's like, I've heard it a million times and then being like, but it is a beautiful song. It is. And, it, you know, but it's weird how cliche that song is. Even, like, recently I was re, uh, re-watching for the 500th time Booksmart because I love that movie. And they have a cover of that right at the very end oh, when 
she's dropped her off at the airport and she's just starting to drive away in her Volvo, the Volvo. And there's an acoustic version with a girl singing Unchained Melody. Yeah. It's is a beautiful song, but at the same time, I, remember, I saw it in America and there was a chuckle in the cinema because of that muscle memory cliche of Straight that away. song. Of just like, oh, here we go. You know, like, we were playing Unchained Melody. And I think it's a bit unfair because it's such a great song. Like, yeah. it's been in the charts and it's been covered by so many people. It's been at number one a couple of times, I think. For sure. You know, for sure. And actually, so the good. original the original is slightly different. And I, I, I love the original version. I know, version. you were that guy the whole time going, oh, you know, it is good, but the original, the original, the original is much better. Um, <laughs> I'll always be you that guy, You were just guy, trying Tom. to distract yourself while watching that scene. Because, you know, funny enough as well, that scene is parodied quite famously in Naked Gun 2 and a half, Oh, is Smell it? of Fear, which was directed by David Zucker. Jerry's brother. brother. That's pretty funny. That's pretty pretty good. good. I mean, of course, you're going to rib your brother, aren't you? You should definitely do that. I mean, I would entirely do that, you know, with if my brother was a director and they made this really serious scene. I would be the one to be like, nope, I'm going to rip that off. I'm still surprised by the fact that this is the guy that did Airplane and he handled this with such tact and and maturity. maturity. I mean, thank God, if you take out Odame from this story... I don't think it works. You need her to come in there and be light relief yep. and fun and silly. But you and... can see in the hands of another actor how it wouldn't be as comic. Yeah, oh, 100%. You know, Whoopi just brings so much expression to it. Like, her face is so reactive and funny and I have her physicality talk. about it. Like, Whoopi, I was not a huge follower of, but if you watch her in this and you've seen Sister Act, which, again, is kind of a similar mm-hmm. type of... Uh, acting for her she's so good and look I actually haven't seen The Colour Purple I don't know if you have speaking of Stephen Plato no no I haven't I know we've talked about it so maybe we should maybe we should watch that at some point but I was I was surprised again watching Ghost at just how good she is and I wondered I was like why wasn't there more Whoopi or am I just missing it is is there more Whoopi out there I think there is more Whoopi out there and I just haven't seen it I think that's probably the case. Maybe it's just passed me by. I might take this as an opportunity to do a little bit of whoopee. (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They were doing whoopee after the the clay scene, that's for sure, the pottery scene. Anyway. But she's got a lot to do in the fact that tonality of her swings goes from quite extreme comedy through to really subtle moments as well. Like She has to really sell that she is now Sam and she's touching Molly. You know, which for a moment I was like... Are we gonna this have could like be a awkward. scene between two women of like with different races? I'm like that is gonna be progressive for the time, and then they obviously they walk out her, of that yeah. and cut to Sam doing it. Yeah, that's true. And also, she she has some uh, moments of of real peril in this film. Yep, she's very nearly killed a few times. By the end, yeah, she's being chased down by a guy with a gun, and she can't. By that point, it's like you can't be too over the top and joking and no. wisecracking. You have to sell that you're really scared. It's Carl, by the way, guys. Carl's the bad guy. What a dick. Uh, interesting. Such do, a dick. Do you remember... We're, we're both fans of Community. If you haven't seen Community, you should watch it. But do you remember there's um, there's an episode where they take pottery class? Yeah, and you're not allowed to do the ghost. Yeah, so I, that, I was like, I'm sure that what the teacher says is really funny. And I wrote it down... the guy from Arrested Development. Yeah, but I wrote it down because just reading it out... Go reading on. It down, it's like... I will tolerate no recreating, whether it's ironic or sincere, of the Patrick Swayze Demi Moore pottery scene in Ghost. I've had to adopt a zero ghost tolerance policy. If you so much as hum three notes from the Righteous Brothers song, with God as my witness, I will come at you with everything I've got. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how I feel about that scene as well. And and I can imagine, can you imagine pottery teachers must have to say similar things (laughs) please don't like please don't do that zero ghost i mean every time somebody new comes in to learn they will mention the ghost (laughs) what other film has had that kind of impact on a on on ceramic industry on the ceramic industry none absolutely none (laughs) fucking hell yeah i was gonna also uh mention that there's been a few remakes and things oh well not remakes but there's ghost the musical did you know of this it's in the west end I did not. Was it well received? I think so because I've seen it on tour in different cities. That oh I've well, been if it's in, done that, so then... I think uh, it must be pretty successful. Okay, as a musical, I mean, there is just because of Unchained Melody, 
there's a musical element to the film, but only only that, only that one bit. I don't know. I don't know how. Oh, and actually, I sp- the ghost theme. So the the I I forgotten that there is a very distinct theme tune for Ghost mm-hmm. that comes up, and actually that's quite pretty. Like you don't realize until you hear it. You're like, oh, it's Ghost. Like we know that that's Ghost. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good, but everywhere it's just drowned out by bloody Righteous Brothers. Well, an even better one. It was remade in Japan. Oh, interesting. It was called Ghost Mochido Takishimate. I don't know if the way that you pronounced that just then is um, problematic, <laughs> but I'm going to let you take the burden of what you just did. And, Ghost yeah. Mochido Takishimate. Well done. Uh, which in English roughly translate to Ghost in Your Arms Again. That's cute. Uh, and it's a female protagonist. Oh, she dies. She dies. They like to kill the ladies in Japan rather than the guys. Now, that is problematic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we just got cancelled. Sorry, guys. This is our final episode. It's the Uh, first time we were together and we instantly screwed it up. And the last. With racial stereotypes. I'm sorry. That's not what I was saying. That's not what I was saying at all. Um, They just like to... They're progressive over there. They just like to murder women in Japan. That's not what I was saying. (laughs) Fuck. I'm going to have to cut this all out. Okay, so they remade it a couple of times. Well, of course, it made five hundred million in the Why worldwide box not? office. Yeah. It's logical that they would try to remake that for different markets like Asia. I wonder if they'll ever remake it again in the. I think in the West. I don't think they can because of Swayze. I don't think people will touch Swayze. it now. Swayze, it's one of those things, and also it's just. I feel like, like why? But why, why would you remake exactly? It? We watched it last night. It's very watchable. All the other day and. You don't need to do that yet. Yep. It's not one where you're like, oh, it hasn't it's managed, you know, now. it's a bit tired. Yeah, there's a fresh perspective or spin we could bring to it. I don't know what... I think you could do a uh, kind of theoretical sequel type thing with the same concept yep. that would be interesting, but not a remake. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think the better remakes is where you come in with a fresh perspective and you're like, we're going to twist it this way. And you're like, yeah. oh, I can see how that would completely change... The narrative of the movie, you yeah. know, like whatever that might be, I can't, I can't think off the top of my head. I'm not just going to do an elevator pitch for a new ghost movie. Beetlejuice. I can see Beetlejuice being remade because it, no, no, Beetlejuice is like Ghost. All right, they die and then they haunt the family. Remember? Oh, what? so it's told from the haunting perspective. It's told from the haunting perspective. Right. Was Beetlejuice made after this? And what's her name? Gina yes. Davis and Alec Baldwin. Beautiful. Great casting. Anyway, I, I don't know. For some reason, Beetlejuice came to my head. I think it and was. Winona Ryder. Oh, Winona. Oh, classic. I love a bit Michael of Beetlejuice. Keaton. One of his... It's his favourite role. I can see why. Yeah. He loved being Beetlejuice. Two years after Beetlejuice, it was an <laughs> influence on Ghost. Beetle, that, you heard it here first, guys. First Beetlejuice. <laughs> then Patrick Swayze so, watched that and was like, you know what? I want to be a ghost. Alec Baldwin made it look great. And there we go. <laughs> Yeah, it was Alec Baldwin, right? Yeah, it was, thank God. Okay, oh my God, was it? I'm losing my mind. I was like, was it Alec? But there's so many Baldwins. Sometimes they're, they're, it's hard they're too to... too many Baldwins. Too many Baldwins. He's the best. Need a cold. Anyway, yeah, I mean, look, it wasn't... It's not our classic choice, is it? No, it's I wouldn't not. say it's, it's ideally my wheelhouse of movie. I don't think it's the first one I would put on. Okay, so here's the thing then. Yeah. Let's take five minutes, bashing Ghost. Tell me what you don't like about it. Okay, by today's standards, I don't like the pottery scene. I think it's too much. Because of and now, it could everything be because we know. Of the pride, but I just, I'm always a bit meh about sex scenes in movies anyway these days. True. Because I'm just like, what's, I don't know if this is really bringing much to it. It's also a very, I think the 90s and the late 80s were a time where it was like... They loved a sex scene. They loved the a sex scene they? and they wanted to make it essential and deep and, and it's connection. an adult movie. It's for grown-ups. And, and now that we're a little, I, I think millennials which tom and i are we don't take it quite as seriously we don't want to have that oh it's a serious very deep sexy we want to just have fun so it's a lot more realistic i guess Mm -hmm. our sex Mm -hmm. scenes nowadays that that we kind of don't feel awkward about i mean if i was watching a modern film and they had again a serious sex scene where it's like all about romance and soppiness and I'd be like, oh, whatever. I think it's like, boring to watch. Uh, I don't think it's titillating in yeah. the way that you're just like, oh, well, well, you I seem very bit. turned on when we were watching it. It's kind of, I don't know if there's a spectral opposite. <laughs> there is. Spectral turned being... off. It's called turned off. You're very turned off. Okay, what do I know? Like, I, I can't think what I would lose, however 
I feel like it overstays its welcome by about 15 to 20 minutes. Agreed. It's too long. There's something about, like, the, the pace starts kicking up when Carl and Billy Lopez, like, Willie Lopez, not Billy Lopez, um, yeah. you know, go to Odomay Browns, and then that's like, right, they're on, they're, they're going to try and wrap this up. And then Willie gets killed, and you're like, okay, so this is happening now. And then it just stops yeah. a little bit, you know, because I think they have to establish that Molly is fully on board, that he's a ghost, so they do the whole thing with the penny. You have to have her, like, convincing her to let her in the house again by going, oh, you're wearing the shirt that he spilled the margarita. It took a like, bit of time. Kind of done this already. Yeah. And then, and then they're just waiting for the cops to arrive, and then they have, like, this moment where they're, like, touching each other and taking over her body and all this stuff. And I was just like, oh, we just lost all this pace. And then Carl arrives, and we have to build it all back up again. Yeah, I agree with you. That, that takes too long, and I think that there's a little too much in the training scene with him learning how to push material and a little too much in the bank scene taking the $4 million out. Yeah. I think they could have been slightly compressed. They just take that little bit too long and there's some a little bit too much explanation of like, this is how we're going to do it and you're going to do it this way. Yeah. And, and I'm like, uh, just... Well, even though know. I love the subway guy because he's terrifying, his purpose in the movie is essentially to teach him how to move objects. Move, yeah. You could have had that through the movie... Like, very early on, he notices that he very slightly knocks on If he gets angry, because he says it's all about anger, like, yeah, you're right. Maybe you he just... You have him very slowly learning how to do it. So by the end, you believe that he's been doing this a lot. Exactly. And it's weird, because they play this slight sub-point into the subway guy that he's lost his mind, and he can't remember why he's... Like, he's angry about being a ghost, but he doesn't remember a lot yeah. of stuff. And it almost plays it as, like, a little moment that you're supposed to go, oh, that's so sad. Some ghosts, they forget why they're ghosts. And it's... And that's what, yeah. I was like, oh, we don't need that extra layer. Yeah. You I th- don't I think need it, it gives, another character. It gives that character an arc, at least. Uh, I know. But that's... But, again, his only point is to teach him how to move objects. So, if you found that an easier way, you could have just lost that whole bit. Yeah, and, and think about it. You've got... You've got... Is it two moments before where we see him... On the subway? There's one moment Is it before. just one? Yeah, because he seems smashing the glass and saying, get off the train. Yeah. Which is why he then goes and finds him again. Like, yeah. And then, and then he does... I agree with you, though. It's just slightly too long at two hours and seven minutes or whatever it was. Yeah, I just, I, I just don't feel like... I, I just, and the, the, the banking stuff just gets a little bit too complicated. Yep. You know, it just feels like there could have been an economy of storytelling a little bit. Yeah, agreed. I think Willie is slightly focused on too much as well. As I know, he's he murdered uh, Sam, and like he is Carl's. He's he's a red herring, isn't he? You just a think bit, he's yeah, yeah. he's the bad guy, and then you learn that he's working for Carl. So it does make sense, but he gets quite a lot of screen time for no backstory at all. No, no, he's just a bad guy. And, and, I, and I do think that the film is a little stereotypical towards other races, as in not stereotypical. Sorry, it's it's caricature. It's caricature. It? It's yeah, not. Yeah, it's, it's not very good with that. There's a lot of. I mean, obviously, Carl's white and he's a bad guy, but there's not a lot of uh, different uh, races in the film. No, no. And then, like you said, like even though I love Whoopi in it, she's very caricature of that era yep. of how black people were in movies. Is is, is very like over the top. And She wears her kicky. best dresses, and what does it look like? It looks like that caricature of, of uh, a black woman in uh, New York going to church. It's like that yeah. look. And you're like, oh. And, oh. and there's the, the, the underlying joke is, doesn't she look silly trying to dress up and you know act like she belongs in wall street exactly you know as if like everyone's going to be a bit like "Mm, what is this black woman doing in wall street which is just a bit like oh really yeah it's i that didn't quite sit right with me but again 1990 i do i don't understand they weren't quite thinking like the same i mean it was reflecting the society they lived in true which is really unfortunate and really sad Uh, and thank god Whoopi is there to at least sell it and make it entertaining because she's great well, look, that's not a lot to hate about the film. So from you being all, right, well, all that, like... That's from my perspective. What do you hate about the film? Well, that, I think I've said, you know, I think that the caricature nature is a little bit awkward. I do think that it's maybe... I mean, not much more than what you said, to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. It, it Potentially, the only thing that slightly put me off is that it is seen as a soppy romantic film. And it's, yeah, Which I, I actually think... does it a disservice. I think so. Because it's a crime, it's a bit thriller, it's a bit crime, it's a bit paranormal, it's, you know, there's a lot going on there. There is, I think maybe that's why it's stayed the test of time a little bit. That's probably why it brought in 500 million at the box so office. So much. It's probably because a lot of guys were like, 
I'm happy to go and watch that. That's yeah. In, yeah, that was actually really good. I, I, would re- I would recommend that to my other mates. You know, I don't know how many, you know, straight men of that era went came out of Dirty Dancing or going down the pub and saying, oh, mate, you've got to go see that Dirty Dancing. It's great. I'd like to hope that at least one straight man said that. I'm sure there's I'm sure there were great. plenty that actually did, but still. What's your favourite film? Dirty, D- Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. I just Obviously. Love, I just love, you know, Patrick Swayze when his top off dancing. Right, Swayze with his top off. That happens a bit too much in this film. It does happen a lot. Like, I would take my top the off beginning, though, if I was oh, Patrick Swayze. I do get it. If you had a body like Swayze, I get it. But well, got right from the start, him and Carl are both just flexing away. Let's do all of this work with no safety gear and our tops off. It's like, yeah. come on. You're going to scratch yourself on a nail. You will fuck yourself up, yeah. buddy. That's yeah. gonna, Grazes yeah. all over yourself. Well, what? I, I know I usually come to this with packed with fact bombs, but there honestly aren't that many fact bombs about the movie Ghost. Like I did do as you know as much research as I was really willing to put into yeah, Ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't one of like some of these movies. You've almost got too much to talk about. Like yeah. Jurassic Park. You know, we said you know we we could do a few episodes on Blade Runner. We said we could do a whole podcast series on because there's just so much to talk about. This one, yeah, not so much. It sounded like they had a script. They rewrote it a bunch of times. I felt a little bit bad that the script won Best Screenplay Oscar. It, I found his name, Bruce Joel Rubin. Well done. Wrote the original. Uh-huh. But then Zucker did 10 rewrites on top of it. But, oh. but Bruce got the Oscar. But, I mean, and he didn't get the director Oscar, I guess. And he didn't get the director. Oh, that's a, that is a bit tough. I wonder tough. if he. I wonder if he shares in it if, it, if they can say... No, I guess he wouldn't share no, in it because no. damn. That I is. think it's probably all down to like skilled writing, guilds, yeah. and all of that stuff. And you know, the you know Bruce Joel Room probably did the core hard work of it, and all Zucker really was then doing was just punching Polishing. up, tightening up. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe the original screenplay was like five hours long, and he got it down to two hours, and was like, "Fuck, that's the best I can do." We don't <laughs> know. We don't know. And there's not many documentaries out there about this or anything. No, like usually, like I said, there's there's YouTube videos and there's things you can watch. There's not really anything. No. There's, there was a YouTube video of one guy going around to locations in Ghost, in New York, and I was like, "No, nah, I'm not even gonna watch that." It's not even that. Uh, not even that interesting. Maybe I should have watched it. No, don't worry. I think I I like that this has just been kind of like a casual conversation about. It's a very different type of first death because it's the first time where we've had a character die on screen that is then throughout the, the rest of the yeah. film. Yeah. And it it's happens super early. Um, you know, he's killed and that is the whole rest of the movie. Uh, and of course, we've had moments where that's happened, like in Ringu, where there's a death and it leads to uh, the rest of the film. But it's not yeah. with the character that died. No, I mean, often the first death is a catalyst to the plot. Yeah. It's not your character. Yeah, stay with, same with the station agent, I mean, of course. There are movies, obviously, where people die and then you follow them. Beetlejuice, uh, What Dreams May Come, or something like that. What Dreams you know? May Come, yeah, of course, yes. I don't think he's the first to die. Doesn't his die, oh whole my family God, everyone, slowly die? Oh, his die. kids die first. I mean, it's ridiculous, that oh, film. Yeah. So I put God love Robin. Another one taken too soon, um, but yeah. But you know, it does make you wonder whether there are other movies where you could, you know, the first to die, you then follow them as a ghost. Like, what if there's a movie where we follow Joffrey Brown from Jurassic Park? Oh, in a different universe. In a different universe. We watched... <laughs> and he's just like watching all the events and he's doing stuff behind the scenes as well. He's trying opening to stop. Doors. He's helping the kids. He's holding the door shut from a raptor. I don't think it would be quite as interesting. <laughs> uh, but it's certainly a fun perspective. <laughs> ghost meets Jurassic Park. Yeah, we just ghost versus other movies where we find out there's a whole subplot of what the first death was actually doing to help them the whole oh, that's time. That's pretty funny. I mean, yeah, we could go back through all of our list of first to dies and think about what that ghost would be doing <laughs> throughout the rest of the film. Around, yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark with uh, Sadipo. Sadipo. I think he'd just be cursing Indy the yeah, entire time. Yeah, he'd just be around just, just swearing, just mumbling around mumbling in the background. Mumbling about Indy. Good, about, uh, good old Alfred Molina. Yep. God love him. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't know if there's much more for me I to say. Nothing. Well, that's okay. This is a good, fun, quick It was nice. We got to dive. watch a movie together. We got to record a podcast together. We did. And hopefully more in the future. I know. Although, uh, yeah, let's hope that the mutant uprising doesn't happen. So, post-COVID, pre-mutant uprising. That's our sweet spot. Sweet spot of podcasts coming out. That's our sweet spot. I mean, our audio will sound slightly different this episode because we're in the same room in a very cozy little spot trying to keep all of the sound nice and damp and lovely but uh yeah nice and damp and lovely well is it damp you say you dampen the sound no so one has ever echo. said the phrase nice and damp and lovely mm. 
I'm sure there's Except for else. mushrooms. That sounds awful. <laughs> okay, not damp and lovely. Just sound... Dampened. <laughs> dampened. And that's it, I guess. That's Okay, I'm, well. That's the end of our, our in-person podcast. Well, I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed doing it in person. I don't know what movie we're going to do next, but I'm... I don't either. It's I can't a funny even one. remember which ones we've talked about, so... It's your choice it's... next, buddy, oh, so God. are you going to torture me back? Although this wasn't a torture, so don't give me that. No, it you was, it were was, fine with it. Was it. Still, it was still relatively pleasant. It's exactly. still a good movie, you yeah. know, even though we, you know, we're dissing it a little bit. It's, it stands the test of time. It's a quality product. Demi Moore is good in it as well. We didn't talk enough about Demi. I think she gets a little bit overlooked because she mostly just she, has to react and cry That's true. A lot. But it, it did launch her, like you said, this yeah. film. Um, but she, she looks great she, on screen. She, she, she does look very good on screen. It's very 90s. She's got that 90s haircut. But she does just kind of have to, to be sad. Just be sad and cry. But then, you know, I think I think it it could be done where you just don't care about Molly. And yeah. I think you do care about Molly. She's, oh, 100%. You know, like you, she's just seems really sweet and nice. Demi more, gimme more, unfair. Pottery lover. Yeah. In more ways than one. <laughs> she loves the pottery. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. She loves the pottery. So it's the movie that's done the most for the ceramic industry. Congratulations, guys. It, cha- it changed Jake's life forever. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say it changed my life. Okay, let, let's let's take it home. So until next time, Jake. Yeah, until next time, and hopefully we'll get to do this in person again, and I hope that we get to chat soon. All right, well, on that note, adios. Goodbye. Jake, I have questions about that thing you said, corrections about a point you made, and notes about that assumption you um, assumed. Uh, Where can I send these? Ah, my friend. You need to head over to firsttodie.co.uk and send me a message there. Or you can email me directly at podcast at firsttodie.co.uk. And what if I just want to be in the know about upcoming pods, trivia tidbits, and want to give you a small like now and again? Social media is the place for you. We're on Twitter and Instagram. That's uh, at firsttodiepod. And what if I wanted to stalk you over several days till one day you wake up and I'm sat on the end of your bed just watching you sleep? Okay, I don't appreciate that. I'm out.